everyone. Welcome back to the Earth Dawn Survival Guide, the podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters. With your questers, Josh and Dan, I'm Dan. I'm Josh. And on today's podcast, we'll be discussing all things morosical and hopefully atypical, because this is not a happy discussion we're going to have tonight. It's about character death. So if you have any questions for us, actually, we have a challenge for you. Please send us your stories and how they affected you if you had a character die, not just in Earth Dawn, but in any game you've ever played. And we'll kind of have a follow-up episode to this one when we get all of those sent in to us uh, at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Or any other questions or thoughts or replies or missives or screeds or manifestos about (laughs) the subjects that we are going to cover here. This was an idea that came to me several weeks ago, several, several weeks ago. Gosh. Yes. I think I mentioned it back like early in the summer. So we're talking like three or four months back. Yep. Where I came across a pretty sure it was a thread on on RPG.net, which is a site that I have been going to for over 20 years, (laughs) the forums there. And it was a discussion talking about character death and dealing with character death in games and things like that, reading it and the people's thoughts and the different approaches, I had the brainstorm of, you know, this is something that we should probably talk about on the podcast. Yes. Because it is a subject that can come into play. And we mentioned a few episodes back that we were going to be doing this. We got one Mm -hmm. email that had a number of topics in it, but one of the topics was about player character death. And we will be addressing various pieces of that throughout the discussion here. But I want to preface this whole episode by saying, as I have said many times, everybody's desires and needs and tastes when it comes to their gaming vary. Mm-hmm. There is not any wrong way to deal with any of this stuff that we are going to be talking about. We are probably going to tend towards dealing with it in the way that player character death causes problems at the table. Because if you are in a game where everybody collectively has the understanding and expectation that Farmland is cheap. Anybody can buy a farm at any time. Yeah. There is the possibility that a character's story uh, may be unceremoniously cut off by the results of a bad die roll or series of unfortunate results. Mm -hmm. But that is something that can happen if everybody is on the same page of that and, and that is the expectation and that is the environment then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. The problems typically come about when there is a mismatch between the expectations of various players and or the game master when it comes to how player character death is going to be handled in the game. And again, since different players have different tastes, one of my players from the first long-term Earthdawn game I ran, Doug. Uh, that is the same Doug who is the player making the Tiskrang character in the character generation chapter of the fourth edition <laughs> player's guide. That is the same Doug. Doug loved making player characters, loved doing it. Yeah. He never had a huge amount of attachment 
to any individual character. And he liked playing characters so much that if something happened and one of his characters died, he didn't have a problem with it. He had three or four other characters that he had all made up and ready to go and was happy to bring Mm -hmm. it out and work it into the game and just go from there. He did not have a really strong personal identification with the characters. He liked the characters, but there was also the tendency that when he felt he had explored everything that he wanted to with a character from a sort of mechanical standpoint, he would be more than happy to move on to another one. He was a little bit of a chaos goblin when it came to his play. (laughs) He was the one who frequently would sort of Leroy Jenkins things into moving forward when the rest of the group had kind of spent too long discussing possible plans he would just generally take action to get things moving again. I like this guy. Yeah, this is a valuable role that certain (laughs) people can play within your group. (laughs) When all is said and done, there is the saying that, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy. There is also, Mm -hmm. you know, no plan survives contact with the player characters. Yeah. Particularly Doug. It does not take (laughs) long for a plan to go awry because of his... Uh, little id-driven chaos minions, which was a lot of fun to have him in the game. So I need to text Doug after the episode's over and just tell him we're talking shit about him. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Haven't met you, Doug. He's not a great guy. We'll move on. Uh, So I think we should start with maybe a session zero idea is that to prepare any players for a game you're about to run or new players you're bringing in, uh, how long would you leave the training wheels on to say, okay, now you've played long enough now the stakes are real, kind of like a video game. You can do this, this sample, sample play video game. You're not actually going to die. Your character's not going to die, sorry. When you go into the actual video game, now the stakes are high. You get three, three choices and then you're done. So how long would you leave the training wheels on kind of a session zero? Yeah, that is absolutely one of those things that you need to bring up in a session zero in those initial discussions, in the ongoing meta discussion about the game. How much plot armor, how much protection the player characters have. Mm -hmm. And that is something that can be a little bit different for player to player. Again, setting out those expectations of understanding where everybody is and what you want to do. Some players really like creating a character and inhabiting the character and exploring the story of that character and Mm -hmm. don't like the idea of their avatar within the game world of the role that they are inhabiting, having their story cut short by a freak die roll where a bandit rolls really, really well on their damage dice in an ambush in the forest that was just this kind of side encounter. And all of these ideas and plans they had for exploring some kind of character arc or personal journey or objectives or whatever get unceremoniously cut short. And this, of course, also ties into the whole idea of GM fudging, which is another Mm -hmm. like sort of hot topic, uh, contentious subject. There are definitely players who are of the thought that if the GM is fudging the roles, that if they are rolling the dice behind their screen and they roll a 32, but say, Mm -hmm. or act like it's only a 15 or a 20 or whatever, that they are somehow cheating. Yeah. And again, that is a whole other session zero expectations discussion that should be had. And there have been 
people who have taken the stance, and I don't know that I necessarily disagree with them entirely, that if you are playing a game where you find you need to fudge the results often, Mm -hmm. you might be playing the wrong system. Fair. That if in some respects you need to be bending the rules or or cheating, to use the loaded term for it, in order to get the results that you want, you're probably not using the right system to get the results that you want. Which is, again, a perfectly valid idea to have as long as you are not necessarily one true wayish about it yeah. and recognizing that not everybody has fun the same way and that other people having fun their way at their table does not affect you in any way, shape or form. So don't be a jerk about it. Don't yuck somebody else's yum, essentially, to borrow a phrase I heard somewhere else. So as part of this, let's put this in Earth Dawn terms. How long would you leave the training wheels on? Is it, it would be a number of sessions, a certain circle of the character, uh, a legend point total that they've reached, or maybe a, a certain number of adventures that they've made it through. Second adventure, third adventure, now the training wheels come off. Yeah, that is one possibility. The other possibility to kind of play with that is a slider. And I would definitely recommend that if you've got players that are new to the game, like playing Earth Dawn for the first time, in much the same way that I would allow new players to sort of rebalance or or respect their characters after a little bit so they can maybe make something a little bit more in line of what they want. Giving them a chance to get into their character and figure things out before you potentially put that on the table. But to get back to the idea of there being a slider that perhaps character death is on the table only within certain moments within certain frameworks within certain scenarios within your adventure yeah when you are having that random encounter with the bandits in the woods player character death is not going to be something that's on the table yeah and there are various ways that a gm could potentially deal with that dice fudging being one of the more blatant slash secret ways that they could do that but also just in the way that they are playing the npcs yeah. If the ideas of the bandits are they're just looking to get some loot, knocking out the player characters is perfectly acceptable in a way of doing that. And somebody who mm-hmm. goes unconscious is no longer a threat. There's not a need to then follow up with fatal blows, coup de grace, whatever, Insult to finish them off. Case, yeah. Of course, then there's the idea that you have certain groups that We all got knocked out and robbed, so now we are going to be vengeful and pursue these random bandits to the ends of the earth to gain vengeance on them and their children's children because they (laughs) caused us this problem one time. And again, that's a table culture. That's an expectation. That's a session zero sort of thing. Mm -hmm. One of the downsides, if you've got a group that is going to be murder happy uh, when it comes to dealing with other characters in the setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, their reputation is going to precede them, and people are yeah. not going to be willing to surrender. Mm-hmm. And if something happens, they know they are going to be in a fight for their life yeah. and go with that sort of thing. Agreed. So I'm going to borrow something here from uh, a, a manual that you and I both own called Your Best Game Ever. We're referencing Monty Cook games like twice in two episodes. That's weird for us. Anyway, their two-page spread on character death 
has something for session zero that I think we should include, which is have a policy about death in the game. And that is, I've never had a policy, but I've only had a couple of characters actually die. Not exactly through my fault. Anyway, uh, so basically it boils down to this. Is death in your game for the player characters, is it permanent? Is it not permanent? Is it not permanent, but coming back is rare and needs to be very soon and difficult? Is death never random? You know, the, the bad, bad dice rolls are bad dice rolls every once in a while, but eventually those may stack up and yes, your character can die. Is that your policy? Or is death just kind of up to the player and the game master to decide, you know, this is going to kill your character. That's how the dice fell. Are you okay with that? What do we do in the meantime? You know, things like that. So basically have a policy thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And this is all part of that session zero ongoing meta discussion about the game because that policy could potentially change. To share a story about a player character death, again, going back to that first long-term game that we ran, Yeah, my friend Sean, who also appears in the Player's Guide and GM's Guide, <laughs> because if you're not writing a game book, you know, why shouldn't you uh, honor the people who got you to where you were in their own way? Yes. His initial character in the campaign was a journeyman, uh, and this was in first edition, so it was the old, basically sort of build-your-own-discipline human journeyman adept, mm -hmm. and played that character, whose name was Bearclaw, up through like third or fourth circle of something like that, and then decided that he really wasn't feeling the character so much anymore and was looking to yeah. make a change. He wasn't finding mechanically that the character was doing kind of what he wanted to do. And so brought that up to me and we worked out a bit where he wanted his character to end up sacrificing himself in order to protect another member of the group to give yeah. him sort of a heroic out. And it was something sure. that everybody in the, at the table kind of knew out of character was going mm -hmm. to happen and that his new character would be introduced very shortly thereafter. And we had kind yeah. of all worked out how that was all going to work. And so we had this scene that tied into the larger, one of the larger story arcs that was going on where his character ended up getting killed, mm -hmm. saving the life of actually Doug's Swordmaster <laughs> at the time. This is the same uh, Swordmaster that I've told stories about before who thought he was human because he was actually a magically constructed body with a spirit bound into it. Oh, yeah. And so the cult, the secret society that was sort of behind his creation had sent mm -hmm. someone to try and kill him because they were trying to tie up the loose ends of all of these other duplicates running around and yeah. Bearclaw sort of got in the way and got killed protecting Mika, the swordmaster from getting mm -hmm. killed. Yeah. So it tied into that and, but it was, it was completely sort of a story consideration. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the end result of this scene yes. and it gives the character a good send off, a valuable send off in the game that kind of provides a, a moment in the narrative. And so that is something that is certainly one of the, the possible considerations. Earth Dawn as a setting, we talked about this with the Death's Sea episode a couple mm -hmm. of weeks back or so, where we were talking about Death's Domain. There are some conventions that are 
already built into Earth Dawn as a setting, looking at that list. Yeah. Resurrection magic is something that you have like a limited time after somebody's dead to bring them back using a last chance salve or, or a spell or something like that. But yeah. after that point, then true resurrection is very difficult and often involves a, an epic quest of some sort or powerful ritual. It's not just Agreed. something that, that comes by easily. And so that is something that you would need to factor in when you are deciding what level of mortality mm-hmm. your game is going to have. Agreed. And I, I have, I can say a similar story, but we were playing a couple of years ago and the player was not happy with his character either. Same thing. He was like, yeah, th- I'm not feeling this one. And then came across, you know, finally read up on the elementalist and he's like, oh yeah. So what he decided to do was kind of similar. He wanted his character not to be a heroic sacrifice, but to absolutely be gutted, shredded and eviscerated by a horror to get the party all to come together and chase down not just the horror, but the, um, like the eldritch horror behind that one as well. So it really put us on the path of this is, we need to take down this really bad thing. And so, yeah, we had the same idea. He talked about it with his game master and the rest of us, we were kind of like, we were surprised. And that was the good thing. We, we, the rest of us didn't know this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the characters that were left over after that, that fight ensued where this character was eviscerated, literally torn limb from limb. Um, we were okay with the horrific aspects of this. We all, you know, paid our respects to the character, did a nice little ceremony in the whole nine yards. And so it's one of those, if you are role playing, I can't say role playing correctly. If you're role playing it the way you want to role play it, then if that character dies and the player's okay with that, cause they chose that path. I think it's nice in game to have the, ceremony like we do in real life if somebody dies that the the player characters get to figure out the other facet of who they are those characters get to figure that out and how they deal with that death and what kind of honor they would do to uh, keep that other character alive in their hearts and minds and so forth and just you know kind of role play through that a little bit i think that's a nice little aspect to throw into your story It absolutely is something that can have a narrative impact on your campaign and the character motivations and the role play that comes out of it. To kind of take a slight counterpoint of that, where something is not necessarily planned in that regard, where the player character is making that choice to sacrifice their character in the second campaign of Critical Role during campaign two there was a player character death that came about as a result of a particular combat situation and bad die Mm -hmm. rolls that ended up in the character getting killed. Yes. And that was relatively early in the campaign, Mm -hmm. relatively speaking, but it had such a profound effect on the personalities. Well, not the personalities, but in the way that the different characters dealt with that event yes, and a game that is a lot more in a way sort of improvised in terms of there is not a sort of specific pre-planned story arc that is in place. There is more Mm -hmm. of an environment and things happen and the GM Matt Mercer and the players all kind of roll with it. Yeah. 
improv and kind of go forward with what that is. The initial ideas that he had had for, you know, he was talking about when the campaign was over and and doing the sort of like post-game interviews and talking about stuff, how the plot line, the story ideas that he sort of had tying into that character's backstory came back into play, but in a Mm -hmm. different way than was originally thought of because of what happened to the character. But just what an effect it had in terms of bringing the characters together and giving them a kind of motivation and a shared experience and a tragedy, in a sense, that shaped the tone of that going on and in its own way brought in probably my favorite character in campaign <laughs> two was who was the replacement character yes for that who was just an amazing character who i absolutely loved but yeah so there is that to think about as well and again that is a table culture that is a game master and player comfort thing mm-hmm. if you yeah. are comfortable with being more loosey-goosey, more sort of improv, more willing to find out that the path that your game is going down is not necessarily the one that you expected. We could perhaps start working on an episode talking about improv, in a sense, in a campaign and how to be a little bit more open as a GM and not necessarily have a particular story that your player's ride on in order to get to a sort of foregone conclusion, but to have something that is a little bit more open and how you can roll with the punches that come up maybe as a result of the decisions or die rolls or anything like that. But that is another sort of counterpoint. One other thing that comes to mind, and maybe you can sort of address this a little bit because I've been talking quite a bit, is the idea of, now I completely forgot what it was. It's okay. This whole podcast is me set up, you talk. (laughs) That's how this has worked for 190 episodes. (laughs) I am completely blanking now. So anyway, what's what's next on your list? Fair. It's okay. Uh, So it's the we had to talk about the in-game acknowledgement of the deceased character. Uh, Do you do that? Do you not do that? I think I thought it was nice to do that for for what we did there. Um, And if it's possible to build the new arc or campaign or story for uh, returning that character to their home, to their life rock, to their family, things like that. So something along those lines. Yeah. That is one possibility of connecting that character to their roots, returning them to their home or something along those lines. Yeah. Which is something that can be especially impactful if you have previously had interactions with that family or that community in the past. There's also the possibility. Now I remember what I was thinking of before. Yeah. The other idea, the other response that often gets brought up in the discussions about player characters having a certain amount of plot armor, perhaps, is that not having death on the table as an option removes all of the tension from the game because if there's no threat of death, then what is the point? And I think we've Mm -hmm. talked about similar sort of things in the past. Death is in some ways an easy one to deal with. And there are plenty of ways to have stakes, to have danger, to Mm -hmm. have 
uncertainty in what's going on without it being the chance of your player character pushing up daisies. Mm-hmm. There's the possibility of them being captured. Again, to tie into the idea of role-playing games, one of the ways to approach them is as a way of collectively telling a story together. Yeah. Of improvised collective storytelling. Mm -hmm. The characters die, the story's over. Some people, myself included to a certain extent, might not really be satisfied with that as far as yeah. a thing goes. And so if that is something that you as a group collectively decide that you don't want on the table, except perhaps in specific circumstances, you mm-hmm. need to find other things that raise the stakes that provide some hazard or danger. There's the old saw of the bad guys take prisoners. They capture yeah. you. They leave you for dead. There are plenty of things that you can do as sort of a deus ex machina mm-hmm. that allow you to continue the story while dealing with the consequences of the negative stuff that happens. I mean, honestly, in the Legends of Earthdawn game, yeah. the episodes of that, that that happened kind of have been released at this point. We kind of had a deus ex machina that kept us from all dying at the hands of Zorg, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> yeah that that was kind of the the situation there. But that was a game as well that had a player character that died very early in the yeah, campaign. Early on. Like episode four or five or six, something like that. Yeah, that then ended up informing quite a bit of what happened in the story going on. Yeah. His sword, um, Rusty's Air Sailor, um, the character's name now escapes me at the moment, but his sword ended up being picked up by scratch and sort of becoming a significant item and a thread item and his death early on in the care was Mm -hmm. kind of a undercurrent of everything that sort of was going on in the aftermath of that and how that affected the characters and that was not a planned death and it was not a oh plot armor kind of situation it was an opportunity that arose and we incorporated it into things yes and Rightfully so, because occasionally those things happen. It's like when a TV show has an has the actual actor die, what happens to their character as well, and you know things like that. We've, I think we've covered enough on session zero. However, there's two more. I think two more things we can kind of bring up for session zero, which is okay. If your character can come back, if it's all done right, do they come back changed? Do they not change at all, or? If they do change, at what cost? So more R-O-L-E playing opportunities for the player of their player character. And I think that's a negotiation that, again, has to happen with the game, with the player and the game master. But it's one of those, I think that's kind of set up for session zero. Yeah. With the recognition that session zero is not something that necessarily happens once and then you're all done. Yeah. I like to think of that as the broader ongoing meta discussion of, of the game itself. Because things can change, especially if you have a longer running game. Yeah. I did have one session where I, I gave everybody the week off because I said, okay, you're, you're coming to the point where you're going to face the big bad horror that I had planned for this whole thing. And I told them, all bets are off. No fudging of dice rolls. Everything's out in the open. If 
you get enough damage to where you're dead, you're dead. We'll talk about what happens to your character afterwards, but is it this is up against the big bad? I purposefully didn't let them, you know, face too much danger where they were going to, the character was going to die before this, but I said, this is the fight where I promise you, <laughs> this is the one time I'm not going to pull any punches. You have a week to plan, you have a week to come up with your strategy. This is all bets are off. Bring your A game. Yeah. And I seriously wounded about four out of the six play six characters. And one of them almost changed careers out of, and this is an earth dawn. One of them was playing a uh, troubadour where he took a, <clears throat> since he was a singer and a guitar player took a serious throat, um, injury. And so <laughs> we had to do some serious side rolling to see if he was going to recover from that and change careers afterwards. Instead of following the troubadour path, choose something else. I do have to say that the lethality of Earth Dawn has a high early spike, but then yeah. can drop down fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. New characters, first circle, second circle, they're a little bit more difficult Hardy. to kill in fourth edition than they yeah. were in earlier editions because of the, the change where you get a little bit of durability at first circle, as opposed yes. to it being something that you pick up and invest legend points in. And so your character's survivability is a function of how much you're willing to spend to have them be survivable. Mm -hmm. There are a number of ways in Earth Dawn, once you get a little bit of experience under your belt, once you have some treasure, once you have some money, to make it actually difficult to outright permanently kill a character between yes. last chance salves and spells that speed recovery, like plant heat feast. food, plant feast, yeah, heat food. Mm -hmm. air mattress, yeah, air recovery mattress. tests. There's a whole bunch of stuff that is available in Earth Dawn. The life check talent. The life check talent, um, although that's a higher circle, but things yeah. that do make it a little bit more difficult to outright kill a player character. And so you may just need to be perhaps a little bit careful in those early circles mm -hmm. before they get to the point where they have those tools where they can do it. But again, yeah. you absolutely can throw really tough opponents at a group and mess mm -hmm. them up seriously, potentially killing individuals. You don't give them the chance to, um, which brings well, us actually to one of the, three stories that we got from the email, the one email related to character death yes. that came in a couple of days ago. Uh, this was an email from Lehman Crafton Jr., who has written into mm -hmm. the show before. Absolutely. And sent us lovely artworks. Yeah. So here's the first, and this kind of ties into this idea. Um, he says, on player character death, in my 40 years of gaming, I only had three character deaths that affected me negatively. Normally, I'm an okay, that sucks, but let's move on mentality, kind of like my friend Doug. This was in University Club, which had multiple GMs each week, about four on average, and 40 to 50 regular players. Yes, groups were often 10 or more players. Dang. In this system, the player would roll 3d6 when the character died. On all ones and twos, something positive would happen, and on all sixes, a negative thing. Uh, at the beginning of the session, the GM looked at my character and didn't believe he could be as advanced as he was. I had played the entire year previously and never died. A lot of deaths were in that campaign world. But looking at my total number of adventures, he quickly calculated that my character was legit. During the game, another character died and ended up rolling all sixes. 
Part of the resulting Ugh. negative was my character died. It really what? hit me as petty as I wasn't the one who rolled the sixes, nor was anyone else's character killed. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is a this is an expectations problem. This mm -hmm. is a game master being potentially petty, giving the impression of favoritism or in this case, sort of reverse favoritism. Oh, your yeah. character is too powerful. When the opportunity arises, I am going to take the opportunity to just knock you down off a few you. pegs. Or and so pegs. the lesson from this story is not so much that my character died, but that my character died in a way that seemed petty and pointless by the GM. Yeah, that the, that the player had no control over. Yeah, this is the sort of story, this is the sort of experience that can sour players mm -hmm. on RPGs, especially if they are not as experienced in them. Yes. You know, Lehman said he had 40 years of gaming. He's like me, been around a long time, seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so, again, this was a failure of session zero. This was a failure of expectations. This was a lack of communication. This was the GM being on a little bit of a power trip. And yep. to borrow a phrase from many Powered by the Apocalypse games, not being a fan of his players. Yep. And so using the power that he has to, for lack of a better term, sort of abuse yeah. one of the player characters. Agreed. If it's fair, great. You know, like if everybody's on the same page and, and they all feel like things played fair and it was just poor die rolls, great. Good mm -hmm. game, shake hands and, and move on to the next thing. But this was yeah. a case of, I think your character is too powerful. This opportunity comes up where I can deal with that as yeah. I put in kind of scare quotes. Well, you're overbalancing my, you're overpowering my game. So I need to take yeah. you out because. This was a game that seemed like there was quite a bit of character death that happened. And this was a character yeah. that happened to have avoided that, whether through smart play or luck or whatever. And mm -hmm. the game master, because this was a shared GM situation going I don't like how this character has gotten to where they are, so I'm going to put a stop to that. Yeah. That's, in my opinion, poor behavior. You should at least generally be playing with people, if you're, especially if you're looking at a longer-term game, mm -hmm. that you get along with, that you like, that you enjoy spending time with, or you wouldn't be playing games with them. Yes. You shouldn't be pulling power trips like that. Dick moves. The Game Master... <laughs> has a lot of power and mm. the abuse of that power is poor form in my eyes not saying that the, the that character death is something that you should avoid just that make sure everybody is on the same page well and don't take it so lightly because obviously this still is affecting him 30 40 years later well it's a it is a story that he certainly recalls Yes. However long ago that it was that happened. But by the same token, I want to counterpoint. I mentioned this, uh, possibly bringing this up before we hit record. Go for it. You say, don't take it lightly. Well, you've got games like Paranoia. Yes. Where player character death is something that is expected. And mm -hmm. the, the game master in the role of friend computer yep. is going to be petty and mm -hmm. make strange calls or whatever. I mean, the expectation of character death in that game and in the sort of environment of that setting is so high that the game gives you 
duplicate clones of your characters so that when one <laughs> dies, you bring the next one in and you pick right up where you left off. Yeah. That is a game tone. That is a setting conceit. That is a, a set, like sort of semi-built-in session zero expectation mm-hmm. of what's going to be going on. It is not a game that takes death seriously. It treats death as an opportunity for comedy. Fair. It's like the coyote falling prey to the traps that he lays for the roadrunner. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that you have in that kind of game. So again, it is a perfectly valid way to go to not treat it seriously if everybody is mm-hmm. on the same page about that and is having yeah. a good time and enjoying themselves. The problem is when somebody yeah. is not enjoying themselves, especially if they are feeling pressured to put up with what is a bad gaming situation for them as a result of peer pressure and the other players at the table thinking it's a hoot that the rocks fell on their character and squished them or that they fell victim to some kind of grim tooth trap, a lot of which had very amusing comic ways of people dying, often by yes. playing with the expectations of how they would deal with traps in a dungeon environment kind of thing. Yeah, no, I've told the story a couple of times, I think, uh, even on the podcast. Uh, My friend goes and plays uh, with a group that he met uh, at a local game store, and they just play D&D. But it's the expectation of, you're going to bring five or six, seven characters, don't bother naming them, because this is kind of a meat grinder. So, you know, he just made character A, character B, character C, character D, character E, whatever. So he's just kind of like, all right. So basically at that point, he didn't have character behind the piece of paper in front of him. He just had stat blocks to go play with. And that got old real quick for him. That is a play style of character as game piece, of character as mm-hmm. video game character. Yeah. Of a... 80s style video game where you have X lives and you die and you come back and you do whatever. There are OSR games that lean into that as well. I forget whether it's maybe it's Dungeon Call Classics. Maybe it's one of the other sort of OSR Mm D&D alikes that are out there where you have a character funnel, I think is the term that they use for it. Mm -hmm. You start off as a level zero character And the idea is that you may have several of those that don't make it to level one before you finally get a character that actually moves on. Makes it. That being sort of an expectation of the play style is fine. I don't want to, as you said earlier, yuck anybody's yum. (laughs) It's just a different thing. And the problem, again, is not necessarily the character death, but the way that it is handled at a meta level within the group and the expectations and so forth. Keep coming back to that because I think that is the most important point that I want to hammer home with all of this. I agree entirely. Let's take a quick little sidebar and we'll we'll wrap things up at the end here. So I've, there are of course urban legends about certain games that are easier to die in. And you mentioned paranoia. I think we need to hit the traveler mention at this point of our discussion. Yeah. Traveler, early editions of Traveler, and and this may be the case in later editions as well. The earliest editions of Traveler had a character creation system that involved sort of rolling on a life path to find out what your character did prior Mm -hmm. to the point where the game picks up. Yeah. You would roll and, oh, they had this job and they earned experience this way and picked up skills like that. And so it was sort of a series of random rolls. Yeah. And it was possible 
within that character generation system for the character to actually die before they even entered play. That if something yes. happened or a particular career path that they were on, some fluke die roll resulted in them dying. It is, I think, probably less likely to have happened than the stories indicate, personally. Fair, fair. Because I know how well the brain works in terms of remembering the unusual occurrences and not remembering the way that things worked the way that they were supposed to the other 98% of the time. (laughs) In the same way that, mathematically speaking, the D20, D4 for the old Step 14 was a lot better mathematically at sort of achieving what the overall goals of the system were, Mm -hmm. but because of the way things worked, people would always remember the extremes that would happen with that rather than the 90% of the time that things went exactly as you would sort of expect within that particular mechanical curve. It had its issues. I've got a whole series of articles that I wrote in about um, (laughs) the issues that it had, but I addressed that sort of in those articles, and that is that the, the problem was not in the mechanics themselves so much as what the probabilities of the system set up in terms of people's expectations and the tendency of people to remember the outliers rather than the actual averages. So the reports of character creation, death, and traveler have been greatly exaggerated. Probably. I don't know. to To borrow a phrase. I know it could happen. I'm just borrowing a phrase from Mark Twain. Yeah. Because I can. It certainly did happen and could happen. I just don't know how likely it actually was because we don't hear about the thousands or tens of thousands of characters that were created and played totally without any issues whatsoever. Absolutely. None of those at all. So I think there are others, otherwise some other games that are probably easy to die in the, as you said, the, the beginning stages. And you said the curve is a little bit less steep for Earth Dawn for a second circle. Third circle, it gets a little bit easier to, to survive. Um, I remember first edition and second edition D&D, you know, your hit points were on a single die. And so sometimes you had two hit points. <laughs> If you were a wizard, sometimes four, if you were a fighter, you're like, wow, I'm not going to be here long. So I think some of those games as well. I also do know that, uh, the game that I got, I can't say started on, but way back early in my career, um, the world of Cinnabar, man, that is a game that is all about, uh, the zeros behind the number you're rolling. And so it's pretty easy to die in that game as well. In fact, I had a player who, had a first had a first level character ended up dying in in the fir- in the first session and just refused to play the game from there on out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was so not happy with any of that. So, touch on a couple of other things here um, from Lehman's email, kind of a couple of other stories yes. that he had. By all means. So we had the first story where he kind of had a GM that seemed to be petty and not playing fair in a sense because of the circumstance that happened. The second was in a game which I liked the adventures, but strongly disliked the system. After Ah. playing an entire nine-book plot, we switched to another adventure series. In that, I finally found a class that, while I still disliked the system, I enjoyed this one character. 
A surprise attack followed by a crit killed the character. I just couldn't get past the character dying because I didn't want to bring in the character X Jr. and just do the same class again, but had no interest in playing another type of character. I did play another character for about three to four sessions until the party resurrected my original one, but that was a strange feeling I had never experienced before, a connection to a character because of a dislike for a system. And that brings in the idea that some people can get strongly attached to a character that yes. they are inhabiting and are approaching it from a protagonist in a novel, novel or movie or something like that. We know, for example, that in the movie True Lies, there's not really any danger to Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> character. We yes. know he is going to get through just fine. Yes. Death is not really an actual danger that is on the table, but we still enjoy the, the ride to getting there. And some players enjoy having their character having that kind of role where they are going along on this adventure and mm-hmm. enjoy playing the character and inhabiting the character and kind of coming up with the character's story. And so don't want that story unceremoniously cut off by the result of freak die rolls. Yeah. Which fair. is perfectly I fair. Agreed entirely. So we've gone through all of this session zero, other games where it's easier to die for the player character to, to die. Sorry about that. Uh, keeping to split these things up. And so your character actually died. You didn't have use the last chance to have properly. The dice rolls didn't turn out right. Your life check talent didn't work or the journey to life spell, wizard, wizard 10th circle from first edition, whatever. If you can bring that, dust that off. None of these things actually worked. Congratulations. You've taken more damage than your character can allow. You're actually dead again. So grief period for the player who happens to be that attached. Do you give them the rest of the session off, give them a week off, two weeks off, whatever the case may be. And if your character can't come back from the dead, can't get rezzed, whatever the case may be, do they bring in a brand new character? Is it the same circle? Do you start them off at first circle and what happens to that dead character's stuff and magic items? That is something that would need to be figured out at the time if it hadn't sort of Fair. been addressed already in the expectations and discussion and policy that you have established previously. You need to come up with that. I think it's perfectly fair and understandable for someone who has been playing a character for a while and has perhaps in some ways become attached to the character, if they are not consciously making that decision to sacrifice the character for story purposes because they want to change up or whatever, and yeah. or just end up through the results of whatever happens to be dead, for there to be a period of mourning, of sadness that can come about as a result of that. I mean, we get attached to fictional characters all the time. We yes. have people that write novels Mm-hmm. fan fiction about yeah. characters in properties that they love star wars or harry potter or firefly whatever so there absolutely can be as strong a connection that you have with this fictional character that you would with a real person a friend or family member perhaps even more so when that character is an aspect of yourself because when you are playing a character, when you come up with a character, there is often aspects of yourself that are being expressed or that inform that Mm -hmm. character. You've created them and you have been inhabiting them as a player for a while. That's bound to happen. 
They're a slight reflection of you, yes. Yeah, and so understanding that there may be a period of mourning, there may be a period of adjustment, there may be some kind of emotional aftermath. I mean, this ties into just the general ideas of safety tools and whatnot in -hmm. general that we talked about oh so many episodes ago. Yes. You can have heavy topics, you can have serious events, you can have dark stuff that happens, and you just need to give yourself and your players room to sit in those feelings, room to process them, room to cope with them, and to just be sensitive. Again, different players will have different reactions to them. If you've got somebody like my buddy Doug, it's like, you know, Lehman said, more of a, oh, that sucks, but let's move on. Yes. As opposed to somebody like myself, who really likes getting into a character and inhabiting a character, Mm -hmm. and, you know, would prefer they don't die. It's not completely off the table, but I'm I'm personally not crazy about it just because of my sort of more actor background and I like to inhabit characters that way. But yeah, that's understandable to talk about Earthdawn specifically, whether you bring a character in with the same number of legend points as the character that died and -hmm. let them sort of build a new character using those points. That's what I did with Dora, who was the replacement for Bearclaw in that. Yeah longer game, that long-term game that I ran, you had this many legend points when Bearclaw died, create Dora, make her as a first circle character, and then level her up using the legend points to to build her to where you want to. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. That is something you can do. The way that the Earthdawn advancement system works, the legend awards, we talked about this in response to a question at least once in the past. Mm Mm-hmm you sort of give everybody at the table the same legend awards based on the average circle of the group. Yeah. It doesn't take a whole lot of legend points for a brand new first circle character to quickly catch up with the rest of them. They might always be a little bit behind, but broadly speaking, they will tend to be roughly equivalent. Yeah. You know, obviously that's more difficult to do if the circle difference would be a lot greater only because of the difficulties and challenges that the group would typically be facing. If you've got a group of sixth and seventh circle characters, it's probably not a wise idea to bring in a first circle character to tag along with them because that character is more likely to get squished as a result, (laughs) unless you are handling the encounters and situations with kid gloves with them to give them time to get to a, you know, more survivable state and get caught up with the others. And agree. As far as the stuff, that depends on the circumstances. Anything that's sort of important, especially in Earthdawn, where you've got thread items and whatnot. Yeah. What happens to those? Do they get recovered? You have the key knowledges for them. Are you just going to give them to the new character or is somebody else going to pick them up? Definitely all things to think about. Feindar's Wit. That was the name of the blade. That it was it. Feindar, yeah. Yeah, Feindar. that was Rusty's okay. air sailor character. That took 20 minutes. Thanks, brain. <laughs> It would come up eventually. I knew. <laughs> it's going to get there eventually. Uh, so uh, leaning on your character, leaning on your acting background or your theater background, I think if it's worked out in advance, and this occurred to me while in, during the recording of this whole thing, um, perhaps if the player wants, like Doug said, to have that character have a heroic death scene, um, perhaps let them act that out. 
yeah. it is role playing after all, you know, provide them the scene or even if they didn't like it, even if they didn't want their character to die and th- th- nothing can be done about it, but they're still okay with it. You know, that sucks. Let's move on. Give them the opportunity to play their, their grand death scene. How often, I mean, every actor in Hollywood likes to have a death scene. I think Sean Bean, however, has hit his limit, but that's just me. Uh, he did actually hold a sign up during the strike. Don't kill me anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I think otherwise, you know, if you get to have a nice death scene, give it a shot. Assuming that the circumstances are appropriate in the game that you're playing, that it makes sense to treat it with some gravitas, with yeah. a bit of <clears throat> somber appreciation, because that is a moment that is going to live on and come mm-hmm. up as something that is a story that will live on at your table and with your groups for years to come, even if you move on to other campaigns and other games and other characters. Yeah. So I think we've, I can't say tapped it out on this one, but I think uh, we've covered all of my notes. Do you have any final thoughts in this hour? Yeah, I just want to share the third one from Lehman here to kind of By wrap up. The third game was Earth Dawn where in a second edition game, I was a windling weaponsmith, but didn't get to a circle where I could firmly state this works or doesn't work. I wanted to try the concept again in fourth, but died at circle two or three before I got the answer. Fortunately, he says in scare quotes, I was carrying a (laughs) cursed thread item that offered my character to live, dying while possessing or killing with the weapon was the thread trigger, which was unknown to me at the time. I took the offer to live, and there was a long story of trying to break the thread without dying. Now that character hits circle six, and while I don't want him to die, if he did, I now know that, yes, a Windling Weaponsmith works for me, so I could let him rest peacefully if he dies without making yet another Windling Weaponsmith. Cool. There's sort of two things going on with that. One is the opportunity of having to death spin out yeah. a follow-up thread or a, or a side quest or other arc or something like that, mm-hmm. whether that is a quest to bring the character back or whether circumstances arise that maybe give them... Uh, an opportunity to survive and to deal with the aftermath of that. And the other is recognizing the point at which you are able or willing to let the character rest and go on with something new because you finally had the chance to sort of explore what you wanted to do and find out whether something worked for you or not. And that basically he says, because he kind of sums things up in the similar way that we had, but the last one... The third just happened to be lucky, and I realized that as a player, I like to see if a character concept works for me or not, and I hadn't realized that was a personal preference or hang-up until it happened. Yeah. The experience of having the player character die allowed for some player introspection to recognize Mm -hmm. something that they liked about their play, about their preferences. Yeah. It is not so much that they inhabit the character, but they want to get enough experience to know whether a particular concept works for them or not, that there is a certain amount of mechanical exploration that they feel is satisfactory before they would be able to hang up that particular cloak and move on. Agreed. So, uh, Lehman, thank you absolutely for helping to inform our conversation today with your email. Loved it. We'll get to the rest of your Yeah, there were some other thoughts that were in that as well in response to some other questions we had earlier. We'll get to those in a later episode. But this was right in line with what we were talking about today and really provided some additional insight and hooks to put other stuff on. I'll give you a thousand legend points for that, Lehman. Perfect. Take him and run. I'll give you another thousand. (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go. Um, two little things from us. So, folks, if you have any, and again, as I said at the opening of the show, if you have these stories, if you have how it affected you like Lehman's examples do, please send them to us. We will do a follow-up episode going through all of those, um, telling your stories, your character death stories, uh, so that we can further the conversation a little bit. And Yeah, and um, if there are anything that you felt that we didn't cover either at all or adequately enough and you have your own thoughts and feedback, please send those in as well. I like, I mean, I like talking about Earthdawn. I like focusing on the Earthdawn specific stuff, but I am a broad gamer. I have a pretty significant collection and have played a lot of different games. And I like the theory crafting and meta discussions that can take place around gaming as a hobby and the various aspects of it that are common across a number of games and not exclusive to just one. So hopefully this is an episode that is sort of along those lines, similar to the safety tools one that we did. Yes. And so, yeah, subjects like this, if there are any broader, not necessarily earthed on specific topics, we're going to maybe do that one Mm -hmm. about improv gaming. Um, But if there are any kind of ideas or, or topics about that, that you want to listen to our thoughts about for whatever reason, let us know. (laughs) By all means. Until next time, folks, kill your darlings carefully for your legend. Good night, everybody.